The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Kinky Friedman is a singer, songwriter, performing and recording artist, humorist, and novelist. In addition to his artistic career, he was a candidate for governor of Texas. Kinky Friedman is also a friend to the animals, a founder of the Utopia Animal Rescue Ranch. He has a new album, The Circus of Life, coming out soon. And I think that this quote tells you a little bit about Kinky Friedman. I don't understand music. I understand Lightning Hopkins. I understand Lead Belly, John Lee Hooker, Woody Guthrie, Kinky Friedman. Bob Dylan said that. Kinky Friedman, how are you, sir? Yeah, but what does Bob know, you know? <laughs> um, no, that's a very nice uh, group to be included with. Um, included in. Doing uh, doing okay, Paul. Uh, feeling pretty good. Going in a lot of different directions simultaneously here, but uh, I guess that's good when you're uh, 73 years old. Although I read at the 75-year-old level. <laughs> well, you say you're being pulled in a lot of directions. Which direction is pulling the hardest? Right now, I think the uh, the new CD coming out, uh, Circus of Life, is uh, is taking a lot of energy, and uh, but going very well. That was the one where I, uh, about a year ago, I guess, I was... Uh, watching Matlock on TV mm-hmm. at 3 o'clock in the morning. And I got a call from my shrink, Willie Nelson, uh, who who says, what are you doing, Kinky? Willie was in Hawaii, and uh, I was here on the ranch. He says, what are you doing, Kinky? And I said, uh, well, I'm uh, watching Matlock. And Willie says, that's a sure sign of depression. To turn him off, turn Madlock off, and start writing, Kinky. Start writing. That's just what he said. So I got mildly inspired, and within about one month, I'd written 12 new songs. And by new, I mean I hadn't written a new song in about 40 years before that. So when I finished writing these songs, and I don't know where they came from, they're kind of uh, uh, percolated through my life for decades. I call Willie when I finish. And I said, Willie, I've written these 12 songs. And I think they're pretty good. They're very different from what I usually do. And uh, Willie said, well, send them on to me. Send them. And, uh, and then I said, okay. And then I said, Willie, um, there's rumors that, you know, around all the time that, uh, that you're not feeling well. And all. How, how are you doing? And... Uh, Willie says, uh, well, you know, a little up, a little down, the usual. And then he says, by the way, Kinky, what channel is Matlock on? <laughs> uh, so so these songs are all what I call part of the Matlock collection. The Matlock collection. Yeah, and all 12 of them um, will be on, are on Circus of Life, which I think officially is released... July 6th. July 6th? 
Yeah, you can get it, uh, well, I don't know. You can get it in Austin Saturday night at the uh, Continental Club. There'll be a sneak uh, pre, pre-release party. But otherwise, I don't think you'll be able to get it until, uh, until July 6th. How'd you decide on that title? What does that mean to you, Circus of Life? Well, it's, you know, it's all a... It, it is a circus of life. It's a it's a song about a guy who's working without a net, and um, I don't want to reveal too much about uh, the specific songs. They're all to me. Um, if I was going to analyze where these songs came from, I think they're they're per- little personal messages to a lost cat, you know, or a dead sweetheart or something like that. They're all connected personally. It sounds to me a little like early Leonard Cohen or early Chris Christopherson, back when Chris was the most talented janitor in Nashville. (laughs) Well, you just mentioned a couple people there, Leonard Cohen, Chris Christopherson. I'm hoping you can share with the listeners about some of the writers, some of the recording artists who've had the biggest influence on Kinky Friedman? Well, probably the early ones, which were uh, Johnny Cash. Uh, He was big, Jimmy Rogers. Then I got into Willie and Waylon. But the songwriting was what really interested me. And that's one of the things that has disappeared from country music it's just not there. So you have a hit song, and it's uh, you know sells millions of records to somebody, to young girls, or who's ever buying. And and it it really sounds like background music at a fraternity party. So, and it's also written by committee, and maybe three or four real writers of of, of the song, and and they all go to to the brothel, which is really a uh, publishing company, a corporate corporate setup. And they show up at 3.45 in the afternoon on time for a, a songwriter's meeting. And three or four of them get together and they, they want to do something that sounds a little bit like Roger Miller, you know, but and then a little bit like Hank Williams Sr. and uh, so forth. And what they really come out with is a very sanitized product. And uh, the production value is uh, very important to them. So it's also very homogenized. Like, uh, you can't tell if you're listening to Taylor Swift or Beyonce or or Marley Cyrus or or Justin Bieber or who the hell you're listening to. And there isn't really a song on the whole record. I mean, there's not a song that could stand alone that could be a hit and sell the record. The record is sold through through other means because there's about 12 of these guys coming out of Nashville that make millions and millions of dollars. And in the meantime, the, the clever writers like uh, Roger Miller or Willie or Chris or Merle or Shel Silverstein, that kind of stuff just doesn't isn't played. You don't hear it on the radio. And so I think the first, one of the first 
breakthroughs with that was that uh, Sirius XM has been playing uh, Autographs in the Rain, a song I wrote uh, to Willie Nelson. And uh, I've tried to break every rule I possibly can, Paul. <laughs> you know, uh, if it ain't broke, break it. And so I've recorded these, not even using a real recording studio, all uh, produced by uh, my friend Brian Molnar in New Jersey. And the album features uh, Mickey Rayfield, who's Willie's harmonica player, and Augie Myers, who's a great musician with uh, accordion and Vox organ. And uh, he's played with uh, Bob and with uh, Tom Waits and all kinds of people. And the third real participant would be Joe Cerati, another New Jersey guy, the Jersey Boys. And uh, Joe Cerati is really, uh, he plays every instrument known to man, mainly guitar, but on mandolin, on uh, steel, on all kinds of things. He's terrific. He's New Jersey's gift to the world, Joe Cerati. And then together, these guys sound, uh, they sound great. And it's like these songs were written between the lines. They're mostly tragic or sad or uplifting, depending on how you, you look at it. And they're all true, like Jesus in pajamas, which was an incident that happened to me in Dallas at a Denny's at 316 one morning last year. Hmm. So um, that one really uh, really hit me. That was the first one out of the shoot. Uh, anyway, there's, there's uh, 12 songs. They are just exactly the kind of music that you wouldn't hear it you know, at a NASCAR type of a recording artist, some kind of, you wouldn't hear them coming out of Nashville today. And who's going to play them remains to be seen, but it's off to a pretty strong start. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens next month. I think July will, will determine, uh, determine that. So, so on top of the uh, Circus of Life, there's a book on Bob Dylan that uh, my friend Louis Kemp and I have been working on. Oh, interesting. Yeah, this one is finished, and it's what really is interesting about it, Paul, is that uh, this will be out uh, on Random House. Probably, It's probably six months away, just the way the editing is going. But uh, Louie and Bob met when they were 10 years old at summer camp in uh, Wisconsin. And this book, you know, there must be hundreds of biographies of Bob out there. But uh, this is the only one written by the only other guy who was there. And if you're a Bob Dylan fan, this book's going to blow your mind because it's right from Louis's lips to God's answering machine. I mean, uh, these stories you would never see in any biography because they just don't know about it. In fact, the biographies are all written by, like, music critics, and they all interview. 200 people and they've never met Bob Dylan for the most part and so it's uh, what we have I think this will be called The Adventures of Bobby and Louie and it's uh, kind of a uh, Tom Sawyer Huckleberry Finn sort of a, of a feel and you get a different picture of Bob Dylan painted uh, than you've ever seen before so if you think you know a lot about Bob I think you're going to be very very pleased with this book, and you're gonna. There's a lot of payout payouts here. Stuff that you didn't know, 
and and none of it is written by a disgruntled employee or an ex-girlfriend or anything like that. This this is uh, just the unvarnished truth. And at first, I'll tell you, Paul, we had about 25 of Louis' little stories. They're quirky little stories. Kind of mischievous, troublemaking, just fun. Uh, maybe a little uh, light hand on the tiller, you know, not not heavy. But in this book, too, we're breaking all the rules. There's a lot of Jewish stuff in the book that I figure at least Christians will like. Hmm. And what I also think is that Bob, of course, knows about this, but he hasn't read the book. No one has yet, because it's not in galley form yet. But uh, if Bob likes the book, that's good. And if he doesn't like it, that's better. <laughs> At least that's what I say, because it will be a financial pleasure either way. Interesting. You can't lose. <laughs> well, you pretty well can't lose. And, and when I try to think of who these guys sound like, it is Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. They do sound like young kids and teenage troublemakers. And even going forward into the fairly recent past, there's all kinds of stories. And what comes to mind is, um, let's see, uh, I can never remember the title of this. Um, oh, oh, yeah, Homeless homeless on Yom Kippur is, is one that nobody knows. And so all of these are more true than a nonfiction biography would be. These are not fiction. They're, they're true stories. I think, uh, I think we've got something really different here that hasn't been done before. And it's very possible uh, that this book could, you know, could give you a more definitive and, and a deeper understanding of the spirit of Bob Dylan than any of the biographies. I can't wait to read it. Yeah, I think it's going to be very, uh, very interesting to see how this one goes down. On that note, this morning I was listening to your recording, the Kinky Friedman recording of Girl from the North Country, and I'm curious to know, I really liked your interpretation. I'm curious to know, how do you, Kinky Friedman, how do you go about interpreting another writer's song? What approach do you take? Well, I never did this until that record, The Loneliest Man I Ever Met. And then I kind of uh, got into it. And, of course, this next record, Circus of Life, is, is all original stuff. That one only had, I think, three original songs on it. But uh, certainly I've never considered myself a vocalist who covers other people's songs. But uh, that's kind of the way it went. And, uh, of course, not using a studio, we use these big old-fashioned microphones uh, that were brought down from New Jersey again. And uh, the, uh, the result was that a lot of people liked that record. And, and I, I really think that there's a whole class of us, Paul, who do not like the kind of music that's coming out of Nashville, what passes for country music today. Uh, we don't listen to it. My brother rented a car at the airport and drove two or three hours and it was on a top 40 country station and he just um, let it play and he says he didn't hear a, a real song or anything close to that the whole time he was driving <laughs> and that, which doesn't surprise me 
it's really it's really a pendulum swinging. I mean, I think it's already swinging back now. I think pretty soon people are going to get tired of that. And I mean, maybe Mariah Carey will still sell records, so she'll she'll be important to her publisher and her record company and her fan club or somebody. But the truth is, she ain't significant. And uh, I mean, it's hard. You can't just say I'm going to paint my masterpiece now, or I'm going to to really be a significant person. But the mainstream rarely delivers significant people like Barry Manilow. Nothing against him whatsoever. He probably makes more money than God. But um, the question is, is he important or is he significant? Significant would be um, would be the troublemakers. And I stumbled on this about a year and a half ago when I did a bunch of shows in Europe, and um, twelve of them in Germany. And for a Jew like me to be performing in Nuremberg and in uh, Munich and places like that, it was like uh, a bit like standing on a native uh, Native American burial ground. And uh, then I started realizing that the whole audience was young people, and all the shows were sold out in Germany. And this was not a, a dumb audience. This audience that had read my books and translated into German, and they knew all the songs, even some of the obscure ones. And they look to the West. They look to America. And they love America, and they don't love it because of... Uh, Justin Bieber, Garth Brooks, or or, uh, Miley Cyrus. They love it because of people like Graham Parsons or Shel Silverstein, Iggy Pop, Tom Waits, Robert Mitchum, troublemakers. And they think, and Kinky goes, that's my appeal there. That's why I'm the new David Hasselhoff uh, (laughs) of uh, Germany. Uh, Except this is different this time. It's, they think, that the troublemakers and the ones outside the mainstream are what made America great. And I think, uh, I think they're onto something. Hmm. I think they might be right. It seems like a lot in your life and in your artistic career has been about taking the road less traveled. Do you think that that's correct? Yeah, I would say it is. And, um, it's, um, uh, I think last time we touched on uh, Nelson Mandela, didn't we? I think that was about the time that I... Or maybe we didn't. In uh, 1973, I recorded Sold American in uh, in the Glazer Brothers studio, Hillbilly Central, with Chuck Glazer producing. People told us at the time, you know, when you make a record, you never know who's going to hear it. And we were worried about disc jockeys and, you know, record store chains and all that crap, if they would play it. And then in in 96, I went to South Africa, and I met a man on a TV show named uh, Tokyo Seshwale, spelled Sex Whale. And he was Mandela's right-hand man. And Tokyo was in prison with Mandela on Robben Island in the next cell. And um, he said he could hear Mandela play a song called Sold American a few times. And then, he says, Mandela stumbled on to ride him Jew Boy. And once he, once he did that, he, 
he'd never let it go. <laughs> and these were all smuggled tape cassettes, he said. And they didn't order them. I mean, they just took what they could get. So Mandela would play Ride Em Jew Boy as his sign-off song. Kind of a little private pirate radio station that you could hear just within the narrow confines of, of the prison on Robben Island. So for the better part of three years, Mandela signed off with Ride Em Jew Boy, sometimes playing it two or three times. Now, when I heard that, I realized that the last thing on my mind was that that record, Sold American, that album, might wind up with Nelson Mandela listening to it in a prison cell. I never would have thought that was possible. It sounds like a Kurt Vonnegut novel, <laughs> and it really does. And I realized that that is probably, that it's the only award I think I've ever received by way of country music. Now, there is one other, and that's the Male Chauvinist Pig of the Year Award, 1973, that I got from the National Organization for Women for the song, Get Your Biscuits in the Oven and Your Buns in the Bed. But this one is one that you can't really put on the mantelpiece, you know, it's just something you can sign to your heart. But it's definitely by virtue of country music that this came to pass. I mean, this is a higher honor than being nominated for a Grammy or something like that. And it's uh, it still amazes me. And I, I, I look around at the political landscape, but I don't see any Mandela's popping up in, in Africa, do you? No. They're, they're, they're not. Nor do I see any Gandhis or Jesuses or, or, or uh, Martin Luther Kings. And uh, that's kind of what's missing. Those are the real civil rights leaders. Those are the real leaders of mankind. And long after they're gone, they continue to inspire. How important is humor in this life? Well, it's very important. Now, you just can't mix it in. That's one of the problems uh, that I've had, because this record doesn't have any. This is more... And I don't know what you'd call it, but it's it's not a funny record. Sometimes people laugh at the beginning of uh, Jesus in Pajamas, maybe the first verse. But uh, they also do that with the Ride of Jew Boy before they know what it is. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm i a serious soul that nobody takes seriously, as uh, Billy Joe Shaver once wrote. <laughs> I hope that you... Uh... I, I don't know how you'll take this, but in some ways, you're kind of like um, like a Jimmy Buffett in certain respects, in that you're capable of really, really serious things that sometimes maybe people would think are not serious. But you're you've also been capable of 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 writing some very entertaining things too. How do you feel about that? Well, I mean, I'm not sensitive. About it. I, I, I mix it up, so I did about. 11 shows in California in 10 days uh, last month. Those, I, I did a couple of the old songs, and, and uh, from the Matlock group, uh, about uh, half the show. And the people really responded well to the new stuff. So nobody has even mentioned that I, I haven't been playing, uh, well, they ain't making Jews like Jesus anymore. 
or get your biscuits and love and your buns in the bed, or proud to be an asshole from El Paso. I play a little bit of uh, Waitress, Please Waitress, Come Sit on my Facebook. <laughs> but I do that uh, because it's Bill Clinton's favorite uh, kinky song. But then again, once you know Mandela's favorite kinky song, Ride'em Jew Boy, the crowd would rather hear Ride'em Jew Boy, I can tell you that. We had Elizabeth Cook stop by here not long ago, and... She posted on Instagram a, p- a picture of you two together, and it got many, many, many likes from people. She did a, um, yeah, she did a, a poll that asked, "Should I go to Hawaii with Kinky Friedman?" <laughs> <laughs> that was recently, a few weeks ago, and eighty-six uh, percent said yes. Uh huh. So. Uh, who knows? <laughs> the one thing I do know is she's a very talented uh, girl. I, I don't know her real well. I did a few songs with her uh, on her show in San Antonio recently. And I completely, of course, I was drinking a lot of Mexican mouthwash, tequila. <laughs> but um, it, I just could not remember how Autographs in the Rain started. I was going to just sing two songs, A Dog Named Freedom and... Uh, Autographs in the Rain, both from the Matlock collection. But I could not. So I'm walking around the stage for maybe two or three minutes, completely disoriented about how that song started. And of course, it's solo. I mean, I have, you know, it's pretty clear that I have lost the thread a little bit. But uh, that's kind of, you know, when I play in Europe, they like that. They think it's performance art. It's not really. It's a guy who's drinking a little too much Mexican mouthwash. <laughs> and and I also think that uh, someone, uh, I call it the uh, Barry Manilow drink because it makes you feel good for a short period of time. <laughs> not, to, uh, not, not, not to pick on Barry Manilow because he's probably better than most of the stuff coming out of Nashville. <laughs> but that pendulum will, will swing, Paul. I mean, there's... The time will come when uh, that's just not cool anymore. And you have to remember that the crowd always picks Barabbas. <laughs> they always say, free Barabbas, kill Jesus. They do it every time. And that's why a great man like Mozart was buried in a pauper's grave. Hmm. What is the best thing about being Kinky Friedman? Well, I think it's a... People are kind of misguided or they're misinformed. So they all think, uh, most people think I have a wonderful life. I mean, I can't even go on a vacation because I got uh, nothing to take a vacation from. I don't work. I don't have a job. All I do is travel around the country irritating people. And that's a very Christ-like profession, actually, if you think about it. So I forgot what what the question was, but I guess it doesn't matter now. I said, what's the best thing about being Kinky Friedman? I think it's kind of cool not to, you know, if you're Willie or Bob Dylan, everybody's going to know who you are. You can kind of tell a lot of people, you know, like speaking of Jimmy Buffett, you know, yes, Jimmy writes songs and he writes books sometimes. But if I see you walking around, Paul, carrying a Jimmy Buffett book, it tells me something about you. Maybe that's unfair to say, (laughs) but, but it does. 
because Jimmy helped me a lot when I ran for governor of Texas as an independent candidate, a race we won every place but Texas. Fascinating. Hmm. <laughs> well, I always like to end the interviews I do. I give the guest the microphone. I just completely open-ended, let them take the stage. So what would you, Kinky Friedman, say to our audience? I would say, remember, it ain't the pot of gold. It's the rainbow. <laughs> I like that. It likes you. <laughs> well, Mr. Friedman, thank you very much for spending time with us. All right, Paul, it's been a pleasure, and uh, just remember, falling on your face is still moving forward. <laughs> I like that even more. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Till next time. All right. Okay. Bye. The Paul Leslie Hour is hosted, produced, and written by Paul Leslie for Lifestyles Entertainment. For information, visit thepaulleslie.com. Thank you for being with us. Until next time. <laughs>